Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Oh, 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. The year 1496 in Florence, Italy. Revival broke out in mighty power. It was through a Roman Catholic monk, Savernola, when he began under the power of God to preach like an Old Testament prophet. Martin Luther was a small boy. Savernola was shocked by the vice, the immorality of the world around him in Italy, by the corruption he knew existed in the Roman Catholic Church. As a young person, he would find respite beside the river, singing to God and weeping for the sins and the injustices, the poverty of the people of Florence. He wept, and he grieved over the lewdness, the luxury, the cruelty of many leaders in the church. He would lie prostrate on the altar steps to the church, weeping, praying about the sins of the age and the sins of the church. But what can one unknown monk do in the age of immorality, both in society and and in the church? He was a devout Roman Catholic. Savernolia's prayers and spirit Filled life helped prepare the way for the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, in fact, called him a Protestant martyr. His life is a glorious testimony to what can happen if a man or a woman is willing just to pray, to deal with their sin. To cry out to God. At the age of 22, Savernola wrote a paper entitled Contempt of the World. He likened the sins of the current age to those of Sodom and Gomorrah. I also compare our sin in America to Sodom and Gomorrah. He fell under deeper and deeper conviction and finally, without telling his family, he entered a monastery and he began a life of fasting and prayer. He was desperate to see God send revival. For years, Savernola had studied the scriptures and he waited for God, believing that God would come and move in power in Florence, Italy. 
I'm believing that God is going to come and move powerfully in Washington, D.C. I'm so grateful for many of you who live in different parts of the country. Pray for Washington, D.C. This is the hotbed of intrigue and corruption, uncleanness. Suddenly, one day, without any prior warning, God suddenly, by the Holy Spirit, came upon Savernola and gave him a vision of the heavens opened, and the voice commanded him to announce what was going to happen to the wicked church and to the people. With this powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit, Savernola began to preach wherever he was at to the people. They said when the Spirit of God came upon him, his voice thundered as he denounced the sin of the people and of the age. Revival power suddenly gripped the whole area of Florence. Savinolia's audience, men and women, poets, philosophers, craftsmen, laborers, everyone came. They sobbed and they wept and they repented. It said that people walked the streets of Florence so gripped by conviction from the Holy Spirit that they were like half-dazed, speechless people. Savernola preached from a, a pulpit high up. There was a bench that he sat on and waited until it was time to preach. Now the churches of that day, the audience, the congregation, stood and they waited for him. They could see part of his face as he sat waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell him when to preach. The crowds would come. The place would be packed out. Standing room only. They said his face seemed like it was illumined with a heavenly glow. He would sit in the pulpit for up to four or five hours at a time sometimes. And the people would patiently wait, standing, quietly. This kind of preaching went on for eight years. People would come in the middle of the night, waiting for the cathedral doors to open so they could hear his message. Savernola prophesied that he would only that he would only be with them for eight years. 
and then he would be martyred. The Spirit of the Lord was so powerful on Savernova that he prophesied about the people, about the king. King Charles the Eighth of France and his army crossed the Alps and prepared to attack Florence. Salvanova went out alone to meet them. He faced the French army single-handed and twice persuaded Charles to turn back and not to attack Florence. The wicked city government was overthrown. Savernola taught the people to set up a democratic form of government. This revival brought tremendous moral change to Florence, Italy. They threw away their vile reading material, their books. Merchants began restitution to the people for the excessive profits that they'd been making. Hoodlums and street urchins stopped singing the wicked music of the day and began to sing the hymns in the streets. The carnivals had to turn aside because no one wanted to come. Huge bonfires were made of worldly books and pornographic pictures, masks and wigs. Children would march from house to house in procession, singing hymns and calling everyone to repent. Oh, my brother, my sister. They couldn't let this go on. So the Roman Catholic Church executed him, tortured him. And so we come to today. And the message that I have prepared to share with you it's the Eli Church the Eli Modern Church. For that's what we have. We have a church headed by Eli pastors and filled with his children. And the sin of this day is very great before the Lord. The church treats Jesus with contempt today. And my heart is grieved until I don't know how to even come and preach. How do I stand, preach the word of God? when it's been scorned. The Lord sent a prophet 
to speak to Eli? They were sexually playing with the women in the church. The question was asked, why do you do these things? I hear from the people, the Lord said, all the wicked deeds that you're doing. One of my co-pastors was not happy with the money he was receiving as payment. And so he began flipping houses. Said, Ray, come, I'll, I'll teach you how to flip houses and you will be able to leave the ministry one day very wealthy. If a man sins against another man, <clears throat> God may mediate for that man. But if a man, but if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Samuel was there as a little boy, dropped out of his mother's home into a wicked church. And so he grew in favor with God and with other righteous people. This prophet asked Eli right to his face, Why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you honor your money more than me? Why do you honor the food you receive? Then he pronounces a very dire judgment. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. But Hophni and Phinehas are going to die. We are going to see death come to the American church. Death on every hand. Pastors will be busy with their funerals. That's terrifying to me. Stop. Listen, pastors, ministers, music leaders, praise and worship teams. 
God is not happy with what's happening in the American church. He is angry. And he has pronounced judgment against the church. We have all kinds of false visions, false prophets. Even as Jesus said, there would be at the end of time. One night, Samuel heard Eli calling him. He quickly got up where he was sleeping in the holy compartment of the sanctuary. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. This kept happening. Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, even though he was dwelling in the holy compartment of the temple. Samuel, Samuel, speak for your servant is listening. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons making themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And then Samuel lay down until morning. I would suspect that he did not sleep much. But it was up to him to get up and open the doors of the house of the Lord. So he did that. And Eli called him in and said, Samuel, my son. Yes. What is it he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And this wicked priest says, He is the Lord, let him do whatever is good in his eyes. What a foolish thing to say. Godly men and women know You don't say that to the Lord. You fall on your face before him. And you pray. And you weep. 
then you ask the Lord for mercy. You ask the Lord for mercy. Now all of this that I'm talking about with Eli happened at Shiloh. I've been to Shiloh. You can see the rocks. It's a it's not a pleasant place. But the presence of God was there. And they worshipped him there. And they offered the blood sacrifices there. Brother, my sister, we've got to stop the normal course of our life. And we've got to start to repent. Oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to repent for, Pastor. Just get before God and start saying, Lord, Show me what you want me to repent of. Guide me. I don't know how to pray as I should, but I know I'm in trouble. Even though some of you are godly, eagerly seeking the Lord, you've got to go deeper, much, much, much deeper. You've got to go after God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's hard because we've not seen any examples of how to do that. Have you seen a pastor who will lay on the church steps and weep over the sin of the nation and over the sin of his church? I haven't. I've never seen anything like it. No, everybody's, we're normal, we're happy. We're working hard toward our goals. Jesus is pleased with us. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's calling us to go much, much deeper. Revival came when men and women were willing to lay their lives down and search after Jesus with all their heart and all their mind. They didn't care about the Christmas parties. They didn't care about the Easter celebrations. All they cared about was Jesus. And we've got to get to him. For this nation is about to be destroyed. But you don't believe that. It's not serious. You haven't really yet said, Okay, God, I hear you. I search after you. Turn away from all the parties. Searching after Jesus. We live in a very wicked church age where church is on every corner, but no Holy Spirit. Make believe Holy Spirit. Make believe fall down. No change. No presence of the living God of heaven. 
Oh, we can work up the living presence by using our emotions and sing and dance. We're a lot more like Baal than, than Elijah. Elijah didn't have to sing and dance and cut himself. Elijah didn't have to do that. All he had to do was humbly bow before the Lord and ask for the fire. And the fire fell. You understand, we don't live in an Elijah church today. Oh, they were there. Hordes of them. They were Baal worshippers. No, we have we have an Eli church today. And the same destruction that came on Eli's church is going to come on our church. Our beautiful buildings are going to be decimated. Oh, but pastor, we still owe over a million dollars. Great, you're never going to pay it. Church will be destroyed. And then came the judgment. Then came the wars. We too will have the wars. First Samuel, the fourth chapter. They go out against Philistines to fight. And they're defeated. 4,000 soldiers die belonging to the camp of Israel. But listen. This is First Samuel, the fourth chapter. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let's bring the ark of the Lord, the covenant, from Shiloh, so that we may, that we may go with it, and it will save us from the hand of the enemy. The elders of Israel had no idea how God felt about their wickedness. They were doing their religious rituals. They were going to Shiloh and paying their tithe. The elders of the church in America are going to say the same thing. Why were we defeated? We prayed over our leaders. We anointed them with oil. Why are we being so treated by God now? Why is God rejecting us? 
Same question the elders of Israel asked. And they thought they had an icon that they could send. The Ark of the Covenant. They sent the Ark of the Covenant with Hophna and Phinehas. 30,000 Israeli soldiers fell before the Philistines. Hophna and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, they're both killed by the Philistines. And the Ark of the Covenant is taken captive. What a tragic day. We are going to see the same tragic day in America when American soldiers will be slain. And you may ask why. Because we are a wicked, wicked nation. Eli hears the outcry as the reports begin to flow into Shiloh. Eli asks, what's the meaning of this uproar? A man hurried over to Eli. He was 98 years old. He was blind. He told Eli, I've just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli said, what's happened to my sons? man brought the news. Israel fled before the Philistines. The army has suffered heavy losses. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead. And the Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell back off his chair by the side of the gate. When he fell, he was very heavy, and his neck was broken, and he died right there. He had led Israel for 40 years. Those 40 years had been a consistent move toward wickedness. hundred years ago, we had revival in America. Churches on every corner were praying and crying out to God. Missions were praying and crying out to God. We did have the Jesus revival. It was very short-lived. Because although there was a searching after God, there was not in America a heart searching in repentance. Revival is simply the people seeking God, 
seeking Jesus, to obey him and his laws, to get right with him through obedience. It's not primarily an emotional experience. It's an experience of changing and obeying the word of the Lord. It's recognizing that Jesus Christ is everything and it cannot enter into the kingdom of God save through Jesus Christ. I heard a man on a television show, very famous pastor. He was asked, Will the people, the masses of India, enter into heaven when they die? And Joel Olstein answered, I don't know. They're good people. I don't know. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that does not come to Jesus through his blood, through repentance, and turning away from this world, will not be saved in eternity. They will not enter the kingdom of God. Oh, but pastor, they're good people. No, they're wicked people. Because they have not accepted and repented and turned toward Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, no man can be saved. Pastor, that sounds pretty bigoted. I'm only going by what the Word says. We didn't didn't design heaven's open door. It was opened by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's only through that blood that we can enter his kingdom. We're in trouble. I hope as you have listened this week to the broadcast, you begin to understand how much trouble the church is in. And you begin perhaps to catch a glimpse of how much trouble you're in We are called by the Lord. Open our hearts. And to repent before Jesus. To seek his face. Now the daughter-in-law of Eli, wife of Phineas, was pregnant near the time of childbirth. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband was dead, she went into labor and she gave birth but was overcome by the labor pain. 
As she was dying, the women attending her said, Don't despair, you have given birth to a son. But she didn't respond or pay attention. Instead, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. The glory has departed from America. We are an Ichabod church. Even the more so because we think we're fine. It's time to repent. It's time to confess our sins. It's time to wait on the Holy Spirit. It's time to get right with Jesus. O Lord, you are the mighty King of Israel. And you are the Lord and Master who rules over all the nations of the world, including America. And you have pronounced judgments against us, called us Babylon. Lord, I come today when the whole world is celebrating Christmas. They're not celebrating the Christ child. They're celebrating Baal and his kingdom as he goes into the underworld. Oh, Lord. I'm asking, please, bring revival. I confess I'm not worthy. I confess that I'm nobody. I confess that I have no authority. But I come based on your mercy and ask that in your mercy, Would you bring revival? I ask for the National Prayer Chapel. I ask for the churches across America. I ask for the people of this nation. One last opportunity to repent before the judgment falls. Will you come, mighty God of heaven, Would you come in your mercy and in your grace and restore this nation, this people? Restore your church. Mighty God. Teach us how to weep before you. Teach us how to confess our sins. Take the 
blinders from our eyes. Anoint our eyes with the oil of the Holy Spirit so that we could see. He said, if we would buy the gold, walk in faith. If we would repent of our sins and put on the actions of a holy people. And you said, Lord, if we would put the eye salve on so we can see, you would come in and you would eat with us. Lord, we're proud people. And I know that even as I pray this, if you sent your Holy Spirit, most would not repent. They would turn their backs in scorn. Almighty God. And your judgments will fall upon us and upon our nation. And destruction will come. Ah, Lord. Holy One of Israel. We don't even know how to pray. Would you bring a spirit of prayer upon this nation? Would you cause us to fear? Would you bring whatever judgments are necessary to totally disrupt what's happening in this nation? I'm asking for the mighty hand of my God to bring whatever punishment, whatever revolution is necessary that we who call ourselves Americans would repent of our pride. Lord, I'm not willing in any manner continue to be self-dependent. I know that you alone can rescue us, can rescue your church, and can rescue this nation. asking please by your mercy I'm undeserving I've no right to ask I'm asking in your long suffering and your mercy would you come to us Would you minister to us? Would you raise up men and women who will proclaim the full gospel of salvation, of being willing to be crucified with you, to deny ourselves, to be crucified with you, Jesus?
turn aside from darkness and submit to you. Mighty God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I know this has not been an easy week on radio, YouTube, but a necessary week. Come and say, Jesus, have your way. We're not making it. And I may finally just say, Lord, I give up radio. For me to continue, I'd have to see a real outpouring from you. Something to give me hope that you're even listening. But I know that there are people who are sick who are listening. I want to pray for you. Lord, I know that there are very many who are sick and recognize that they may not last until spring. Without your hand coming now directly upon them and healing their sickness, even though they do not deserve the healing. You healed many in Judea and Galilee who did not deserve your healing touch, Jesus, but out of your mercy, out of your kindness, you touched with healing power. I'm asking you to do the same today. I'm asking that you would move with with healing power. Whether it's a, a brain disease, a broken bone like mine, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it is, they're disabled. I'm asking, Lord, for your healing power. I'm asking, Lord, that in your mercy, for that is all I can stand upon today, for I have not received all that's necessary to speak. But, Lord, I appeal to your mercy. I appeal to your love, to your compassion. And I ask for healing in each person who is listening. I ask that all complaining would stop, all grumbling would stop. That a great overwhelming cry would come from their hearts and my heart before you. Jesus, have your way. I know you are filled with love and compassion and mercy. 
that you would desire that no man should perish. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. Come, have your way, Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords, we put our trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen.